Hello and welcome to Plot Twists. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing The Build Up by Tati Richardson. This was published in 2023 and full disclosure, we received a complimentary arc from Karina Press. Also full disclosure, you may remember that just about a year ago, I uh, recorded recaps of The Courtship with Tati. So we know Tati pretty well. Uh, Lane got to edit all of the episodes, <laughs> and um, we think she's a pretty great person. Uh, so keep that in mind as we review the book. Yeah, we're super excited for her. Congratulations, Tati. Woohoo! Should we the read jacket? the book jacket? Rumpled and ragged was not how architect Ari James envisioned kicking off her first day at a new firm. And few things can top the horror of her new and extremely hot colleague walking in on her at the worst moment ever. Learning that she'll be working with him on the project that's supposed to get her career back on top makes it harder than ever to focus on her big comeback. With a partnership at his firm on the line, nothing is going to stand in the way of Porter Harrison absolutely killing it on his new project. Not his obnoxious rival, not his unpredictable brother, and definitely not his new co-worker whose gorgeous curves he accidentally saw and now can't get out of his head. Though neither of them is looking for love, once their creative juices get flowing, Ari and Porter's connection is obvious. But when their shared goal has always been winning at work, Building a solid foundation for a relationship might end up costing them everything. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I like, I really like the, uh, the solid foundation and they're an architect firm. Nice. Very nice. Yep. I like it. Yeah. This is a workplace romance. The conflict is that they are professionally bound and therefore it's sort of a conflict of interest to be romantically bound. Add in the fact that she left her last job around complications stemming from a workplace romance. So she's even more reticent. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much the conflict of this book. That's pretty much the conflict of this book, which I'm going to be honest with what's a nice conflict. Like, honestly, I was like, okay, this conflict makes sense. Number one is like kind of grown up. Number two and number three was not, like, interpersonally angsty. It wasn't inherently interpersonally angsty. They made it angsty. I mean, sure. Of course, you can make it angsty. But I, I liked that it wasn't like she lied to me about, I don't know, yeah. being pregnant with my brother's baby. <laughs> Jesus. So that would be far too heavy. Yeah, exactly. So right. As usual, we generated a random number between 1 and 50 and wrote our own summaries using that number as a word count. Uh, this week, that number was 8. Um, so I'll go first. In the style of Genuine's Pony. If you're horny and undervalued, ride him, Porter. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful lane. Thank you. Thank you. That was really nice. Ah, well, here's mine. It's much less creative. Ari's in town and Porter is already gone. Correct. Correct. I want you to know Genuine is mentioned in the book. There's a ton of callbacks to 90s and 2000s R&B and my heart could not resist. Meg's summary is more accurate, but <laughs> I had to do it. You had to. You couldn't not do it. So as Lane mentioned, this is a workplace romance. That's the main trope. And then 
as I identified in my eight-word summary, he falls first. Uh, love this trope. I Every time it appears, I love it because I'm so used to him, the man, being like the emotionally distant one. And then the resolution of the conflict is like him saying, I love you. Yeah. And um, that was not the case here. A couple of things. They both have dead dads. So they bond over this like shared similar trauma. Uh, and she, I think this is a huge romantic comedy trope, the coffee on the blouse. Oh, yes. So, well, and then there is a little, it's always been you moment. And he's got the receipts, which yes. I love. I always love that. There's also a lot of the women in her life are very tropey. Mm-hmm. Like the frazzled best friend who's had kids and so is living vicariously through her single friend. Yes. Well, and she's like super successful woman. I mean, she named her kids Sasha and Malia, which I thought was hilarious. I thought it was like really funny. Like it was perfect for this character. Mm -hmm. So, yes. Uh, Her mom was like a Southern church choir, like big personality who, who kind of takes uncomfortable situations in stride. Like I just, I think a lot of the, supporting players were pretty stock and which uh, we have no problem with it does a lot of work for you absolutely not a problem with it you know and if you work well in the genre work well with your palette it's great yep any other tropes i'm sure but those are the ones yeah mind yeah so this is a contemporary romance which is not something that we read that often we're mostly historical romance readers yes we do Obviously, branch out now and then for contemporary romance. We had to do it for Tati. And there were a lot of things that were really cool about this one. One of the things I really liked was the sense of place that you got. Yes. For me, at least, like you felt like Atlanta was almost another character. Yes. So I thought that was that was really fun. You could tell how well Tati knows Atlanta. Like, I really enjoyed her representation of the city. I think there were a lot of, like, you, her characters had unique hobbies and passions and, like, interests. Mm-hmm. Lots of references to music. Lots of references to famous painters. Like, I thought it was a really great sense of, like, rich exterior lives, not just mm-hmm. socially, which was mm-hmm. fantastic. And, like, I love a lot of 90s and 2000s R&B. And I was like, damn, this is so great to see so, like, accurately represented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then home base happened. So I talked about this in my summary, but yeah, Porter like sees her mm-hmm. and he's like, I need to know who this woman is. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't know this until the end, but you as the reader do know this. She, her car breaks down on the first, on her first day of work. She has to take the bus in or the mm-hmm. train. I forget. She's like public transit. And Porter she takes the Martha, the Marta. It's the, the like metro system in Atlanta. Okay. So she takes the metro and Porter sees her on the metro and he's like, she is fine. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I'll never see her again. But that girl on the metro, she was really hot. And then she shows up at his work and he's like, oh my God. He's like freaking out. I love that he is not smooth at all. That's one of the things I love about Porter, actually. Yes. And so... She comes in and she's like, oh, my gosh, like, I spilled coffee on myself. I need to get replacements. And he's like, I will get her, like, the best stuff ever. And he, like, uses his personal card to do it. Uh, yes, but she thinks it's the firm, but it's right. actually Porter. 
I don't know. Just the whole thing is just like so rom-com. I, I was really into it. Porter tries to do grand gestures and they're always just a little off in a really charming way. Yes, exactly. Exactly. He's He tries to be smooth and he's very genuine and sincere. But yeah, <laughs> he'll do it and then you're like, oh, Porter. <laughs> you're, you're drawing attention to things that you maybe she wasn't necessarily looking for you to do. Right. And he's also, I love that he's on paper, like, trying to get promoted at work and trying to really impress everyone. And he just, like, is constantly talking her into being late to stuff. And, like, mm-hmm. there was this inconsistency in his character that was, like, con- internally consistent. Yes. I really yeah. liked it. I was like, he's not, it's not an inconsistency in his character. It's an inconsistency in what he's saying that he wants, which makes total sense. Right. It was it, For he, him. His character was consistent in that his character was sometimes inconsistent. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Loved it. I, I loved Porter, actually. He was he was great. great. He was really great. And I loved Ari, too. I really yeah. liked her. Um, she's just super competent, like, very good at her job. Um, she knows her own worth. She's very self-confident, which brings me to something else that I really liked. So it's not super evident in the book jacket, but Ari is fat. She's plus size. And one of the things I love about how it was handled in this book because we've read heroines who are fat before we've Mm -hmm. read heroines who are you know not slim or whatever and a lot of times they are like they have to like overcome this bad Mm self-esteem right they're like no no one can love me because i'm fat Mm -hmm. and like i i understand the impulse of some authors because you know some people do feel that way and they're like Mm -hmm. okay i want to you know write about that but that's not how Ari felt. Ari felt about herself. She was like, no, I am look great. It was borne out by the, all the men who keep hitting on her. And then when someone does sort of give her some backhanded compliment about her weight, she's like, no, like, I'm not taking it. Like, bye. Talk to you mm-hmm. later. I don't know. I just really liked the way it was handled. It did a good job of representing, like, the anti-fat bias in society and some of the anti-fat aggressions and microaggressions without having those things be internalized. Yes. And I think that was really nice. Loved it. I really liked it. It was, like, Ari is, like, in her character, she's fat. She knows that she is. But she's also, I think, consciously rejecting this idea that that makes her less than. Mm -hmm. And I really liked it. Same. I am. I mentioned when we were talking about sort of her best friend character that she's living vicariously through her single friend mm-hmm. and their moms are like very aggressive about pushing them to be together. And I, I know it's sort of a stereotype that single women are like defined by their singleness, by the people around them who are constantly trying to set them up. And it's just in my experience that is never borne out in reality. Mm. So I'm just really interested in why it is like such a trope that mm-hmm. the way everyone in her life sees her is single. Right. So it's not a complaint. Like, I think it was, like, well done. And similarly to the rest of Ari's personality and, like, the way she perceives her body image, she sort of was able to take the flack they were giving her and not internalize it, which was great. I really liked her. But it is kind of boring to have everyone, every female character, especially who shows up, constantly just trying to set you up with someone or, like, make... make you talk about a guy who you clearly don't want to. Right. Yeah. 
I get it. It's more. It's not like I'm mad at Tati. It's like I'm mad at all of the other female characters for not giving her <laughs> fucking break. <laughs> right. <laughs> so these. One of the things I liked about the book too is that both characters were like right around forty. Yeah. And they are mature and they know that they want each other. So they kind of pursue the relationship pretty quickly and are very open and honest with each other about what they want. However, the progression of their relationship is really based on them not really talking about the relationship. Mm -hmm. I think part of it is because Ari is purposely not really thinking about what their relationship means for her job. Right. Because if she has, if she actually thinks about it, she's going to be like, I can't be in this relationship. I think that's part of the problem. I also think both of them have sort of been avoidant about facing the realities in their lives. Historically, like these Mm -hmm. are characters who like, not in a mean way. I know why they've been single for 40 years. Like they have really shit ability to articulate themselves in difficult moments yeah you know that meg and i love it when we can say and they talked to each other and that wasn't the conflict and they don't talk to each other here and that is the conflict yeah took it took a while it took a while um i will say that i really love the ending of this book oh you mean the grand gesture in an airport uh kind of I don't really mean, I actually don't mean the grand gesture. What I mean is how the conflict is resolved. Okay. So I'm going to try to not spoil anything, but I will say that I've talked about this before, actually, about how, okay, both of them have these great choices, right? And he decides to give up his great choice so that she can pursue hers. I don't feel that way. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't really um, feel like he was giving up anything. Oh, I did. I mean, he was giving up what he thought he wanted. But it wasn't offered to him, ultimately. Yes, but he could have continued to try to go for it or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, he, yeah. he this this thing that he's been working for for decades, he, he finally is like, you know what? I, it's not worth it's not worth what my relationship is with this woman. Right. And that's what I liked about it. There is a grand gesture in the airport. There is one thing I will say. Um, okay. Let me just tell you one thing. Anyone, this happened on bachelor in paradise last year. Okay. So I was actually upset with bachelor in paradise about this too. If you get on a plane and your luggage is on the plane with you, and then you deplane and you don't get back on the plane, they are stopping that plane to take your luggage off. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I understand it's a really hilarious joke to be like, oh, my luggage ended up in Mexico and I just stayed in Columbus, Ohio. Not going to happen. Right. It will not happen. And everyone on that plane is going to be really pissed off at you. <laughs> so I just want to say that. <laughs> yep. Um. So her luggage did not end up wherever she was going. It, it was deplaned and everyone on that plane was three hours late <laughs> for their connecting flight. I want to talk about one thing before we explicitly get into content warnings. There is a lot of like interpersonal aggression and violence, like shoving and punching mm. in workplace settings. Mm-hmm. I know that often bothers you. How did you feel about it here? I, I mean, I didn't love it. It's not something that I love. Um, 
and I never will. So at this point, I'm just kind of over it. Um, also, because it wasn't, at least for me, it wasn't to the point of like being really over the top violent. Okay. Right? Like it wasn't like, I'm going to call the police because this thing happened. They could have called the police. Right. But it ended up being like, a, I'm going to shove past you here. I'm going to kind of push you up against the wall and then walk out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it was it was more of an exploration of like toxic masculinity than it was violence, if that makes yeah, sense. It does. And I I think that as an author, Tati was not like condoning that either. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like they were sexier because they got in a fight. Right? And so okay. that that is also the line for me. So interesting. Yeah, I just I wanted to know how you felt about it here, mm-hmm. which I think it's not quite a content warning, but it leads us into it pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are quite a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, his brother is an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And they explore some pretty tough themes. Yes. Around so, that in this book. Some really difficult themes about alcoholism and addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is an interesting look at colorism and racism. Um, so, for example, in Porter's family, he's light-skinned and his brother is dark-skinned. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how they feel... Porter, I think, doesn't really realize it, but his brother feels like he's been not just, like, the younger brother who's been overlooked for his older brother all his life, but also, like, it's because of a little bit of internalized racism. Yeah. So. She's been through some shit at work. She is a black female architect. The book points out that there are not many people meeting that description. Um, and she has faced old boys club toxicity at the least and pretty explicit, explicit personal aggression caused by sexism and misogyny at worst. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it sounds like it was exhausting to be her sometimes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and then we talked a little bit about sizeism or fat phobia. Uh, so we, you see some of the aggressions and microaggressions, as Lane said, on the page. Um, but what I would say to all of these content warnings is that they are there because this is the way the world is, right? Like, they're not there to shock you or to upset you uh, or even, like, to be something that we're going to dissertate about. Mm-hmm. Um, they just happen to be a part of Ari and Porter's lives. Definitely. So. But I definitely, you know, we try to keep this to sections of, like, things people would skip a book for. Mm-hmm. I know people who will skip books about alcoholism or mm-hmm. that have workspace discrimination based on, like, misogynistic shit. So, like, hey, if you're like, I don't want to read that, it's here. It's here. Okay. Let's talk about how sexy this book was, Liam. He's very sexy, and they like having sex with each other. They sure do. One of my favorite parts of the book, <laughs> she, okay, she skips both church and work because she was having sex with Porter. <laughs> and I thought it was great. Like, they call into work. They're like, we're going to telework today. <laughs> they just stay at her place. They do a little bit of work, but mostly not. Do they? 
Mostly not work. (laughs) (laughs) So they were just really into each other, and I really liked that. In terms of, like, the actual details, they're explicit. They are not closed door. Good times are had by all, but mostly her, which is always our favorite. Um, exactly. Yes. Correct. Porter is pretty great hero. Let's just put it that way. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, oh, I mean, maybe content warning. Her mom kind of walks in on them. So, FYI. Not a content warning, Meg. <laughs> Not a content warning. It was, she was like, you were sick. You must have been sick because you didn't make it to church. Who explicitly avoids books where people get walked in on during sex? That is not a content warning. By their parents. Not a content warning. Okay, never mind. It's not a content warning, but it (laughs) happens in this book. Because they can't stop. Oh. Anyway, um, I enjoyed it. I had a fun time reading it. Uh, It's not, like, 100% in our wheelhouse, but... Definitely wouldn't skip it. Thanks so much for listening.